0: You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is Highlights from our weekly service.
1: Evening everyone, and welcome to tonight's service. If you're joining us for the very first time, you are welcome to our community church, which is Northern Lights, The Metropolitan Community Church is a worldwide communion of churches whose foundation is the knowledge that God rejoices in each and every one of us. And everyone is welcome at the table of her son. We gather each week to give thanks to God for her saving grace that is seen in Jesus' teaching and example. We gather to praise God for His goodness and to support one another as brothers, sisters, and siblings in Jesus. Our readings tonight, given to us by Abby and Ian, speak to us of a community of people from a very diverse background, each called into a community by the love, teaching, and example of Jesus. Their differences threatened the very essence of what they were called to be and to do, images of the risen Christ, and to proclaim Christ's love and acceptance for all people. Judith will expand on what that means for us as a diverse community too. As we prepare for our celebration this evening, let us recognize that although we are physically apart we are united in the spirit of god who is love compassion and mercy could we with ink the ocean fill? and were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill, and every person has cried by tread to write the love of god above would drain the ocean dry or could the scroll contain the whole though stretch from sky to sky.
2: Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the church in Rome, Romans 13, 8 to 14. I read, Hold no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, the commandment, You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not pervert. And any other commandment is summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is. How it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us live honourably as in the day, not in revealing and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarrelling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Hear the word of the Lord.
0: A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 to 20. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that trust. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.
3: Hello. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found pleasing in your sight, O God. Amen. How do you feel about conflict? Personally, I find it very difficult. I always have. I don't like being at odds with my friends, and I would much rather sort things out in a spirit of friendship, but it doesn't always work out like that because we're not always in complete control of the situation. Sometimes I simply have to face up to the fact that words are going to be firm. People may get upset, especially me, and a resolution won't necessarily be found. It may take time. It may never happen. It sometimes means a kind of cooling of, of a relationship. The worst case scenario is when I end up in some kind of limbo. It's not dealt with. I'm stuck unable to move forward or back, and sometimes it's because of my own reticence, and other times it's because of a lack of willingness to listen on the part of the other person. The Christian church has always experienced conflict, mostly, in my opinion, because it is, certainly in this century, such a broad entity, which not only incorporates lots of different groups of people's, But within those groups of peoples, a whole range of views about God, about religious practice, theology, Christology, eschatology. There is one thing that can be said about Christianity, is that it has lots of ologies. Christianity is great because it manages to contain some very disparate groups of people. We're all allowed to have opinions, really, about anything vaguely touching on our religion. We are mostly not enclosed by rigid boundaries, told what to believe, from which we may not deviate without serious consequences. This is how some religious groups behave. But I'm referring really to the mainstream churches, which comprise the greater number of Christians in the world. However, at the very beginning of Jesus's life and ministry, there was conflict even between Herod and baby Jesus. Then again, between Jesus and his family during his ministry when they thought that he was mad and they they arrived in order to take him home. Between the Jewish and the Roman authorities, even among the apostles in the Gospel of Mark, they're arguing for their rights to sit at the right hand of Jesus in heaven. And then Peter and Paul arguing and splitting the early church over whether new members of the church needed to be circumcised before admittance to the catechumenate, which was their name for the preparation period for for new Christians. Conflict is a part of life and how we deal with it could be said to be a measure of our maturity and perhaps our courage. When we listen to tonight's gospel and we hear Jesus putting his foot down quite firmly about the steps to take in the case of community conflict, he does seem to be being a bit harsh, especially when he himself didn't hold back when criticising the scribes and the Pharisees. There is a misconception that Jesus was always our gentle Jesus, meek and mild, our good shepherd who floated around Palestine doing good deeds. But we should beware of sentimentalising Jesus for, for fear of losing the message in our own need for comfort in a difficult world. Jesus came to change the world, and we cannot do this from under a comfort blanket. Jesus was and is wonderfully kind and generous (laughs) understanding patient forgiving and all the qualities we should be able to expect in a god and a brother and a friend but most of all he was about love but you don't call a powerful group of people whited sepulchres just about the most hideous thing that you can call someone in authority in those times, and then accuse them of loading the backs of the poor with rules and restrictions and then not lifting a finger to help them, and that's coming up in Matthew 23, without being a tough operator, with a clear disregard for your own safety. In reading the Gospels, we find Jesus is clear. Being a follower of his movement costs. Christian love costs. And we have to decide how much we are prepared to pay. A little bit? A lot? Everything? The very early Christian church had real problems after uh, 75 in the Common Era and the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Even more so when Christians were thrown out of the synagogues in 85, around the time that the Gospel of Matthew was written, actually. The whole emphasis of religious life had changed, no longer based on Judaism, with its rules governing every aspect of life, but based instead on Jesus, the Christ, and his rule of love. Love of God and love of neighbour. So the church had to rewrite the rules of conduct conduct for a new way of life. But rules can be misused. For example, this Matthew reading has been used by some churches to justify the hounding and shunning of their members for any contravention of their own rules of behaviour. For example, and this one comes from my own experience of listening to an elder of one such sect. A woman who divorced her abusive husband was banned and shunned by their church because divorce was against the rules. Her husband repented and remained within the community, marrying again. So it was not only unfair and emotionally and psychologically damaging, It was misogynist. How many gay or trans people have had their lifestyles, even their very existence, declared inappropriate? And how frequently strenuous efforts have been made by these communities to correct the so called sinner by individual accusers, sometimes before panels like parish councils, often behind closed doors. And even worse, by attempts at cruel conversion therapies. Thank heaven the government is making plans to have these banned in this country. I remember a year or so ago being told by a trans woman that the pastor of a Newcastle evangelical church had told her that she was an abomination. All this cruelty, being committed in Jesus' name. But back to our Matthew Gospel and Jesus' teaching. We are not told what it was the perpetrator had done to offend his accuser. It doesn't appear to be relevant. Now this seems a bit odd, considering the lengths that the community went to in order to draw the offender back into the fold. Was it a big sin? Was it a mild infraction of the rules? Perhaps sin isn't the point. Maybe the offender's attitude is the point. I think the clue lies in the preceding verses to our reading. In it we find the good shepherd leaving his ninety-nine sheep to go searching for the one who is lost. So it is that every possible effort is made by the community in jesus's parable to bring the so-called offender sinner back into the fold first by the victim of the offense then by two or three witnesses not i should say witnesses to the offense but witnesses um, to the victim's attempts to find a way through the conflict when all else fails The problem is taken to the whole community. And if this doesn't have the desired effect, then the offender will be treated in quotes like a Gentile or tax collector. But that was then a common Jewish phrase for any outsider. But we know that Jesus still loves them. As he made very clear in his behaviour towards both tax collectors and sinners, during his ministry. No, we are talking here of people who choose to exclude themselves for reasons that we may never be able to deduce. But according to the parable, the whole idea behind these actions by the community should not be punishment, but reconciliation. Retaliation or revenge have no part to play in the Christian scheme of things. And like the lost sheep, no effort should be spared in trying to reclaim a lost one. Every soul is precious. Jesus will have no one lost, even if a very thorough set of measures must be taken to rescue them. But if the desire for reconciliation is sincere, to reject the offer is to reject love, on which the whole Christian community is based. Fortunately for the offender in the parable, God's love is not time-bound. And the very moment that they decide to turn again towards their accuser, as soon as they are prepared to reconcile, to talk it through, to play their part in repairing the damage to the relationship between the two of them or the offender's relationship with the whole community, they are embraced, welcomed and given back all the rights of membership of God's family, the Christian community, just like the prodigal son in Luke's Gospel. And this is not just a matter for the Christian community to deal with on its own. Whenever two people are at odds with each other and try to reconcile their differences, or they have a joint need upon which they agree, then Jesus promises to be with them. Adjudicating, but comforting. And always on our side. When two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. To address our God in prayer and to welcome him into any situation is to underline the fact that God is the very reason that we all come together as a community in the first place. And it should be the first and last commitment that we make in any gathering that's held in God's name. Writing this sermon has reminded me of a lot of things. Like Jackie in her sermon last week, I too read around the text and sometimes also by people I don't necessarily agree with to get what Jackie called a broader view. In doing so, it's possible that this exercise has helped me with my own feelings towards conflict and its resolution. Perhaps I don't really need to be so shy about speaking out, but making sure that it's in the spirit of reconciliation and based on the love that I know our church is based on, and trusting that Jesus will, as he promised, be there with me and bringing his healing presence to us all. Glory to you creator of all, Jesus the Christ and spirit of life, as in the beginning is today and for eternity. Amen.
0: Now is the time we set aside to speak directly with God and listen to the one who knows us intimately and loves us in all our imperfections. In keeping with our customs in the Metropolitan Community Church, I have today lit two candles. The first is our special candle for all those who have surrendered themselves to your tender care due to HIV-related illness. And the second is a candle for the work of Rainbow Home, which supports especially those asylum seekers who are lesbian gay, bisexual, transgender, and helps to provide a healing and inclusive community. So let us pray together for ourselves, for those we know and love, for our communities and for the wider world. Loving God, Mother and Father of us all, we come together from different places and in different ways, knowing that we are all in your presence and in the presence of your Son, Jesus Christ, at one in the Holy Spirit. Lord, you have said that to truly love you, then we must also love our neighbour, which can be difficult when we disagree your lifestyles clash. Yet in overcoming these difficulties, it is possible to see the miracle that you love individuals like us. Teach us to love as you have loved us, so that this world might be a better neighborhood in which to live and share. May we look at others as if through your eyes, less judging, more loving, and seeing them like us as not perfect or finished, but as a work in progress, that will be completed in due time by your hands. Teach us to be good neighbours, not just to those who live nearby, but to everyone that we meet, to see the best in and want the best for all your precious children who might one day return home to the warmth of your embrace. We bring to you all our neighbours in the Worldwide Church in the Universal Fellowship of Metropolitan Community Churches, that in Northern Lights MCC, church leaders everywhere and all who are faithful, that in setting our hearts steadfastly on the eternal truth of your love, we may be nourished and healed, that we may yield good fruit and that we may be integral to a healing community. As the network gathering of MCCs this weekend in Stuttgart, Germany, draws to a close, we pray especially for those who have attended, that they will return home safely, filled with the joy of your presence among them, inspired by the energy of togetherness and enthused by the ideas of collective and individual experience. We bring to you our concern for the oppressed, the powerless and the exploited, and our concern about injustice and war. We offer you our voices and our votes, our pens and our power. We pray for peaceful resolution of current events around the world, especially in the United States, in Belarus, in the Middle East, in Africa and in Asia. We bring to you our concern for the needy, the hungry, and the homeless. We offer you our money and our time, our skills and our knowledge. We pray for speedy resolution of the enormous social and economic challenges brought about by the coronavirus across the world, as people experience the effects of lockdown, furlough, and uncertain future arising from a weaker economic climate. We bring to you our concern for the disadvantaged and the discriminated against, for those who are destitute or in distressing financial circumstances or who are victims of abuse or hungry or unable to work, that their situation may be relieved. We offer you our help and our support our friendship and our readiness to give of ourselves. In the week of the World Day of Charity, we pray for all organisations, charities and community bodies that work to support individuals, communities and their environments. And for all those who volunteer themselves to help make the world a better, healthier, more fulfilling place in which to live. Especially this evening, we bring to you our concern for all who are detained, tortured, exiled, or who are seeking asylum or refuge because they are struggling for their rights or the rights of others. We pray for the work of the Rainbow Home charity, with which we in Northern Rights MCC have a special connection, as they strive to support LGBT asylum seekers. And help to ease their suffering and hardship. We bring to you all our concern for all those experiencing isolation, anxiety, frustration, discomfort or pain, and for those who are afraid because they are ill or have been injured. We pray for those who are nearing the end of their journey on earth, that they may know your comfort and peace. And we pray for all those who work for the coming of God's commonwealth of life, love and joy. For those whose caring and faithful lives, in past times and today, are witness to Christ's triumph. And especially now, all those who are working in health and care environments, through whose compassion, skills, dedication and insights, many will be restored to health. We bring to you, Lord, all for whom requests for prayer have been placed in our special book of intentions. Help them all to come to terms with their pain and difficulties and help them to look forward to the future, whatever and wherever that may be. We place them in your healing presence, Lord, and ask that you will enfold every single person who needs to feel the warmth and tenderness of your embrace. So now let us pray for the needs of people known to us personally. Be with us all, Lord, in our daily struggles to faithfully follow you, in our periods of doubt and despair, and in times of happiness, health and loving. Be with us all until the time when, in the heavenly realm of your love, our joy will know no end. We make our prayers in faith and love for you we now commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to your mercy and protection, Lord, and to the healing love of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, as we say together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen.
1: And together we pray the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Go with the peace and the joy of Christ. Thanks be to God. God bless. See you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we do, you can find us on social media or visit our website northernlightsmcc.org.uk